Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and Mazel Tov. My, uh, one of my father's brothers years ago was a uh, PhD student, and uh, to make uh, money on the side, he took a job being a book salesman for the university press. It was in New York University, NYU. And uh, which means that our house was filled with lots of books. I know that my house was in particular or unique in the fact that there were lots of books. Almost on a semi-annual basis, new bookshelves would be, would be put into the house to accommodate the new books. My father and mother were voracious readers, particular history for my father. And so there was a never-ending flow of books coming into the house, not the least of which I'm going to take you back a few years. Take you back to the time when there were dials on phones. Phones had cords. And when you needed to know something, you would open a book up and look it up. So my uncle also sold Encyclopedia Britannica's on the side. And so every year I would excitedly wait until the yearbook of the year would come out. Anyway, so I spent a lot of time looking at the bookshelves, opening books, reading books. It's a love affair I still have. But there was one book in particular, and I remember the first time I opened it up. I was about six years old, and it was the book written by the historian Martin Gilbert. It was called The Holocaust. Some of you are nodding your heads. I think you've seen the book. And I remember opening the book up, and in the middle of the book, there was a number of flaps of pictures. And I remember looking at the book, opening the pictures, and staring at the pictures. And you know, I know you know immediately what I'm talking about when I talk about pictures from the Shoah from the Holocaust. Unlike previous human conflicts, even the First World War, what took place during the Second World War was unique in human history, not just for its industrialized cruelty, but the degree in which it was recorded, both in paper, in data, and in photographs. Who can forget the command that Dwight Eisenhower, then Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces in Europe, that when they liberated Belgian Burson, what did Eisenhower say? He said, get the photographers and filmmakers in right now because people will want to deny and forget this. And so we have pictures, lots of pictures, and they're horrible. And I stood there staring at these pictures and there were questions that flooded my mind. And the problem was, of course, is that either I was afraid to ask the questions or I didn't know how to ask the question. But the questions obviously are, how could something like that happen in the world? And for me, a young child growing up in a religious education, Someone who, even from a very young age, had a very highly identified identity with being Jewish and with being religiously Jewish. 
How did I reconcile my belief in God with the fact of what I saw in those pictures? For the record, this is an old theological debate. It's called theodicy. That's a technical term for it. And it's a question of why bad things happen to good people or why good things happen to bad people if you want to invert it. And it's an age-old question. But to my six-year-old mind, it wasn't an old question. It was a fresh question. And one that I didn't really know how to ask. And I wasn't sure what the answer was. For me, part of the answer was, was to ignore the questions. And yet this morning, in the Torah portion that we read, and this is why I speak of this, there is one particular mitzvah, one particular commandment that is mentioned amongst a suite of them that opened all these memories to me once again as I was looking through it. It's a mitzvah called Shiluah Chakan. The mitzvah on the surface is a very simple thing. It says, obviously this is pre-supermarket days, it says that if you come across a bird's nest and there are eggs in the nest, you have to remember how people found and got food up until about 100 years ago. They didn't go to the store. There weren't people necessarily selling things on the corner. There were no weekend farmer markets. People literally had to scrounge and forage for their food. And so, if you came across a bird's nest and there were eggs inside of it, the Torah commands you, you have to send the mother birds away, and only then can you go and take the eggs. Why? We don't know why. But you can make a presumption to say it's an act of compassion. The birds don't have an evolved sense of protective maternal feelings. They have instincts but it's meant to teach us something about compassion. That just because you have the power to do something, it doesn't mean that you should do it. In fact, if you have the power to do something, it's probably a warning that you shouldn't do it. And yet the Torah goes in and says something else. The Torah says that whoever observes this commandment will be blessed with length of days. The Talmud later brings a story about one of the greatest, greatest Talmudic leaders of his generation. His name was Elisha ben Abuya. And it says that one day he was walking in the field with some of his students. And he saw a person climbing a tree, shooing away the mother bird to get the eggs. And Elisha, this rabbi, turns to his students and says, look what someone is doing. They're observing this mitzvah of shooing the mother away to get the eggs. And he said that certainly this person will be rewarded with a long life. And then the Talmud records that as the person was in the tree grabbing the eggs after shooing the mother away, they fall off the ladder and they die. The Talmud then records that this great rabbi lost all of his faith in the world. He completely broke his relationship with Judaism, with teaching, with his students. And for all time, he would be known as Acher, the other one, the one who walked away. 
And why did that happen to him? Because in his world and in his mind, it was only black and white. That either God controlled everything or God could control nothing. That if God controlled everything, then everything meant something. And if God didn't control anything, then what was the point of God? The fact of the matter is we know that the world doesn't work that way. We know that the world doesn't work in assuming that God controls everything. We know that the world frequently punishes good people and bad people without regard for them. We know the cruelty that is visited on the young and the old, on the helpless and the powerful. We know that the world works in spite of what we do, it goes the way that it goes. As the Talmud famously says, basing on the book of Job, that when the rain falls, it falls on the fields of good people and bad people alike. And so the idea that the Torah would tell us that if you observe a mitzvah, that you'll have a long life. How do you reconcile that? Fortunately for myself, as I went out into the world and started living life, and as life crashed up against me in difficult and painful ways, I began to realize that that is not necessarily the way the world works. And that what I saw in those pictures as a young child was not something, a statement against God, as it was a statement about human beings. So then why does the Torah put those things down? Why does the Torah tell us that if you observe this mitzvah, you'll have a long life? Why do people continue to believe that when bad things happen to them, that they're being punished by God? How many times when something happens to you, you get into a car accident, I don't know, something unfortunate happens, you say to yourself, oh my God, what did I do to deserve this? It's an instinct that humans have. And the reason why summarily is because humans overwhelmingly have a need for explanations. We want to know why things happen. But every time I think of that, I'm reminded of the story of the great Holocaust writer and survivor, Primo Levi. He was an Italian Jew. One of Levi's greatest books was his first. It was called, written in Italian originally, it was called Ecce Homo, translated into English as, is, is this a man? And he recounts the following story. They were in Auschwitz during the winter, and the pipes had frozen, and there was no water for the inmates, for the Jews. And so he went outside to one of the barracks, and there was an icicle hanging down. So Premier Levy goes over and he breaks off one of the icicles and he starts sucking on it for water. And a German guard comes over and knocks it out of his hand. And he turns to the officer and he says, why did you do that? And the German officer says, is do here, nishkein varum, here there is no why. There is no why. And so in life, if there are no whys, then what is there? Jewish tradition tells us that in life, we don't ask why, we ask what. Which was an idea echoed by the great social psychologist Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor, thousands of years later. 
In life, when bad things happen to us, we ask, not why did this happen, but what do I do now? When things befall us, we ask, what kind of person will I be? Life is the great question that asks, what kind of person and what will you do? The Torah is a conversation that is thousands of years old of to home milk to home, of the deep speaking to the deep. One last thought I want to share with you. Unless you've been on an island somewhere without any electricity, you know that Queen Elizabeth II passed away. And it's interesting to note that in the British constitutional democracy, that the head of state and the political head are completely different. The prime minister has all the power, but none of the pageantry. He lives in an apartment over his office on Downing Street. The queen has no power in all pageantry. She lives in castles, she has honor guards, the whole thing. And so the monarchy, Queen Elizabeth, woke up every day in her life having no political power whatsoever. The only thing she had was the dignity of her humanity, of doing the right thing over and over again. No matter how boring, no matter how tedious, no matter how mind-numbing, of asking the same questions to dairy farmers and leather shop makers and all those other things, it was the consistent act of realizing or the belief that the way that we can shape the world is not through power, but through character. You should all be blessed with those opportunities. Shabbat Shalom.